Has the spirit ever prevented you from doing something? She has. She definitely has. Hmm. So we're going to talk about that on today's <laughs> episode. Today's episode, we're calling An Open Heart Opens Hearts. And it's kind of a flip. You probably have heard um, that hurt people hurt others. Hurt people hurt people, said Martin Luther King. Yes, hurt people hurt people. And we know that to be so true in our human experience. And... And maybe, and I think quite confidently, open hearts, open hearts. And I think that that's what we hear throughout Scripture over and over again. Yeah. And certainly in these pages of Acts chapter 16 through 18. Yeah, so we're going to highlight that. But right here at the start, I want to encourage people just to be thinking about in their own lives how when they've had a really open heart, a, a calm and steady, patient, loving, warm, curious heart, how that changes your interactions with others and how people are able to meet you in that space. Okay, so we're going to start off with a little discussion here, I think, about the Holy Spirit preventing. Ooh. I know, so, so oftentimes we think of the Holy Spirit opening doors and blessing and um, doing all of these um, I think of what we think of as positive things, yeah. you know, or like when Jesus says in the Gospels that don't worry about what you're say, you'll say, the Spirit will give you words, mm-hmm. the Spirit will guide you into truth, the, spot, the, you know, so the Spirit will make it happen. The Spirit will make it happen, right. But here, the Spirit is making it not happen. Right. The Spirit is preventing, hmm. it says, being prevented by the Holy Spirit from speaking the word in Asia, and then da-da-da. And, <laughs> and then da-da-da. Da-da-da. Yeah, I'm, that's not in my translation. <laughs> it is. Just look. <laughs> look, look, look. Look again. So, so, yeah, so let's think about times in our lives when the Holy Spirit has prevented, like, so the movement has been a prevention rather than an opening. And and this makes me think of mm. my friend Catherine has this prayer that she's been using for a long time and I just love it. It's the blessed or block it prayer. And <laughs> she'll ask, she'll have something that's weighing on her and she really wants a God's will in whatever it is. And so she'll say, God, here's the situation, blessed or block it, right? Like this new job, if I'm supposed to take it, Bless it, but if this is not the right move for me, somehow block it. And mm. I've and I've always loved that, right? Because so oftentimes we go to God in prayer with, "I want your blessing for this. I want your blessing for this. I want, I want, I want." Right? Yeah. And 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 this is what I want, and I want you to then to bless it. Mm-hmm. And there are oftentimes situations in our lives, whether we pray about it or not, where the Spirit is, nope. Mm-mm. Mm. That's that's not where you need to go right now, or that's not where you're going to need to go ever. Yeah. Um, and that must be the devil getting in the way. Right, right, <laughs> right. That's what it feels like to us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, because we're oftentimes in hot pursuit of something, mm-hmm. and and so it can feel stifling and therefore bad, and then therefore we think of it as the devil. But 
But think about in times in your life where, I mean, I, I think we all have them when we look back and we go, oh gosh, I really wanted that. Mm-hmm. And, and I thought that was the next right thing, but it didn't, it didn't, it wasn't made manifest. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's funny to, to hear the blessed or block it prayer. Cause mm-hmm. I, I think, I think maybe, and, and I'm guilty of this. Maybe at best I reach a point of asking God for what I want, and then I'll say somewhat—I um, don't want to say tritely, but I'll say somewhat because I feel like I should. Mm. Um, but not my will, Lord, yours be done. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. and I—and I'm saying that more in order to convince God that really I know this is Your will. So would you just kind of make it happen? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And. And so that's a different thing than the blessed or block it because there's um, um, there seems to be a different level of trust there. Exactly. And and you know I don't um, I don't want to relieve us of our responsibility in the midst of something that is is being made possible, mm-hmm. maybe not by the Spirit, and not being prevented by the Spirit. And there's that um, responsibility that God leaves to us to discern. And so there's that going on in all of our decisions also. And there is something I think wonderful about saying, hey, um, would you make this not happen if I, if I shouldn't um, go that way? Because it's mm-hmm. really hard for me to see right now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and just trusting that, that God will respond. Yeah. I, I love that. Yeah. <laughs> I know, I love that too. And I think I think that that's really helpful to think about it as a level of trust mm-hmm. with God that that ultimately I really do want God to block things that aren't good for me. Yeah. Right? Like God can see so much more vastly than we're ever able to see in any moment. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I also think of times when, you know, when I've been in a situation, like I've already like started down a path and I don't necessarily think it was the wrong path, but I have felt God say, you know what? We're on the wrong path. Mm-hmm. Are, are you sure you want to go this way? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so like, for example, when I, I had a particular job and I mean, I thought I was going to be in that job until I retired and I, so much of my life course had been about kind of going, walking this road mm. um, vocationally. And then I get in it and about two years in, I'm going, whoo, th- this isn't working out the way I thought it was going to work out. And, and there was a lot of life circumstances that surrounded it that I could not have predicted <laughs> when I was um, starting off on that path. So, I mean, it's really humbling. I mean, it's like mm. you, you can't, you, you literally can't know all the things. Yeah. Um, and so in a dream, um, I, I had this conversation with my boss, like this isn't working and I, I need to, to go a different path. And I didn't do it immediately, but, um, but eventually I did. And, and we had the most wonderful conversation about it. Um, and he, was, he said to me, he was like, I'm so proud of you. Hmm. And I said, what do you mean? And he said, he said, you know, it's not working the way we thought it was. Hmm. He was like, you have so many gifts for this. And 
Um, but it's it's not. And so I'm just so proud of you for your discernment. Like, this must be hard. Like, you thought this was, like, yeah. the road. And who knows? Like, maybe you'll come back to this later in your life, but it's really not working right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I just felt really grateful and seen. And I mean, it's so wonderful when people can meet you in, you know, what you're discerning. But yeah. um, anyway, and so, you know, it's not to say that the road got easier by any stretch. Um, I still had a lot of wondering around to do. Um, but there was really something to be said of, of honoring the, the no of, yeah. you know, that dream and, and the spirit making it so clear to me. Um, and then being able to trust that on some level instead of like spinning my wheels and no, the narrative was, mm-hmm. you know, I'm doing this until I retire. Sticking to your guns. Sticking to my guns. I've been really good at that most of my life. And um, it doesn't leave much breathing room for the spirit though. Or for us. Or for us, yeah. I mean, yeah. that that's the um, that's the horrible um, side effect of of not making room for the spirit to breathe in our lives. Yeah. Is we we tend to suffocate ourselves. This this is very true. Yes. Yeah. I mean, there have been so many instances, in in my life when I'm when I've been wondering about transitions, mm-hmm. like you're talking about there, mm-hmm. and and there I can look back and I can see those times when, yeah, the spirit was preventing. Uh, whether the spirit was preventing by saying, don't go down that road. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not good. That's not going to be right for you. And and then sometimes when I knew, like there was, there was a church in North Carolina that mm-hmm. I knew that's where God wanted me to go. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I applied, I sent off, I had conversations with people and at every turn, no, this is not, this is not, this is not for you. And I'm going, mm-hmm. what are you talking about? We're like the perfect match for each other. <laughs> right. I mean, I'm looking yeah. at, looking at my interest and my skills and, and, and I'm looking at the needs of this church and I'm going, we, we are, you know, totally made for each other. Yeah. We're a match made in heaven. And every turn, uh-uh, no. uh-uh, I'm going, my goodness, mm-hmm. how, how could this be? How could this be less clear to God? Mm-hmm. Right, know? right, right, right. Why aren't you seeing this? Yeah. And and then um, on the flip side of that, n- really uncertain mm. about going somewhere, and then just really thinking, I don't see this happening. And then everything along the path. Constantly affirming, yep, yeah, this is where you need to be. And I'm going, are you sure? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and and it re- it does, it requires so much trust. Mm-hmm. So much trust and, and learning to live with uncertainty. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's, um, that's sort of the wonder of it all. I mean, in order to... Uh, attend to what the spirit is making possible or preventing. Um, we really do have to embrace uncertainty, and that's hard. <laughs> it's really just, really just hard. to point out the obvious. Just to state the obvious right here, folks. Um, 
kind of known for stating the obvious, but <laughs> but here it is. It's really hard. And so I can really appreciate, um, I feel like I say this in some form or fashion on every, every episode, but I just have so much compassion for the human condition yeah. um, of how hard it can be. More so every day. Yes. So, yeah. And and what we learn throughout the the following pages here in Acts is that we seem to be able to know what the Spirit is opening or preventing depending on where our heart is. Mm-hmm. And what or maybe as we learn later in this chapter, chapter 16, what, um, how available our heart is to God. Mm-hmm. Because we, we learn about Lydia uh, soon after um, the Spirit prevents the disciples from going and speaking across Asia. And, and Lydia, is a, she's a Gentile, so she's a Greek, and but she's a God-fearing woman, meaning that she's she's part of the um, synagogue worship. She's been really faithful, and she's a dealer in purples. A dealer in purples. She was, was a, a quite a title. Savvy businesswoman. Savvy businesswoman, God-fearing, um, faithful in worship, and um, we we learn that the Lord opened her heart. Mm-hmm. So that, so that she could hear what Paul was saying. Yeah. Well, I want to. I want to. Let's linger with opening the heart, though. Because, sure, sure, sure. Because it's not, you know, the, this savvy woman who's God fearing and faithful in worship. She's ready, right? Mm-hmm. She wants her heart to be opened, and yet, can she open her heart, mm. or is that? Is that her responsibility? I mean, I'm, I'm kind of curious about um, what's going on here in these pages because it does seem like she's ready to have her heart opened, and and yet it's the Spirit who does the opening. Well, what makes you think she's ready to have her heart open? I, I'd simply say that based on what Luke tells us in describing her, that she's God-fearing and she's faithful, so... Do you think just because you're God-fearing and you worship frequently mm-hmm. that you have your heart open? I don't know. It's an honest question. Okay. I, I thought you were leading me somewhere. No. So, no. I genuinely, like, I want to believe yeah, yeah. that if if I'm worshiping and I'm God-fearing, that that makes my heart open all the time. Yeah. Um, and... I know from my own experience and journeying alongside of others that I can be God-fearing and worshiping, and my heart can very much be closed. Yeah, yeah. So I, I think it's um, there. There, are, there's a whole spectrum there, mm-hmm. and and probably two, two ends and everything else in between. But sure. So lots of options. Lots of options. Um, extremes are easier. So the um, I think what you're describing that. Even if I'm faithful, I'm 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 at church every Sunday. I'm worshiping. I'm saying my prayers. It doesn't mean I'm doing those things and attending worship. It doesn't mean I'm doing those things in such a way that um, is actually for um, for others and for my own spiritual benefit 
and to deepen my relationship with God. Mm -hmm. And so I can, as you say, show up either out of a sense of duty, um, either of a sense of pride, or um, maybe I'm afraid that if I don't do it, something bad's going to happen. And so I can do them in such a way that keeps me closed, Mm -hmm. both closed to God and closed to others. And I can also be someone who really attends to the goodness in the world. I don't know it's God. I don't, I don't believe in God per se, but I'm, I have a lot of convictions and I'm mindful of others and I'm attentive to all sorts of things um, in, um, in their truth and and that person too, I think, is someone who's ready to have their heart opened. Hmm. Like you don't, you don't have to show up in church to be ready to have your heart opened. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. And you can show up every Sunday and be completely closed. Right. And so I, I wouldn't want to sort of um, refine too clearly about... Um, who's doing what and whether or not that means their heart is open. Sure, sure. And I think there are things that we all know close us off. Yeah. And things that really open us. You know, but I think it poses a really helpful question um, for, for all of us, whether we're going to church or not, of what are the things that I do mm. that lend itself to my heart being open to allow the spirit to open my heart? Yeah. And, and I hope, I, I very much hope that when people go to church um, here at Church of the Ascension, that the liturgy, the homily, the receiving Eucharist, the Pete, who knows what it is, but that, but there are maybe multiple aspects every Sunday morning that would lend itself to people experiencing their hearts opening. Yeah. Um, and, and I think even things that we're doing with Spiritus Knox on Sunday evenings, that um, as we read books together and as we breathe together and as we worship in the Celtic tradition and practice these tools of aliveness, that those are all things that would lend itself to a readying of the heart and uh, an allowing of the heart to be opened by the spirit. Mm. Um, so it comes back to something we've talked about before and, um, and it's receiving. Mm-hmm. And so it seems to me that, I mean, the more I think about um, receiving as maybe even the principal gift we have to offer, Mm-hmm. And if my disposition is one of receptivity, that means I'm ready for my heart to be opened. And so if I, if I show up for worship on Sunday in that receiving posture, you know, in, in the way that uh, St. Bridget of Kildare talks about being a midwife, mm-hmm. you know, she talks about... Um, kneeling before God in worship, not not like you're kneeling in this um, um, sort of desperate position of subservience, 
but kneeling like a midwife kneels before someone about to give birth, mm-hmm. ready to receive. Yeah. With, so not, not, with, not with hands in sort of a prayer position per se, but hands with the palms open, ready. Mm-hmm. What, what, what's God got for me today? Yes. And, and when we are in that posture with God and others, Every single person, situation, or circumstance becomes a gift to be integrated into our lives mm-hmm. and and something the Spirit can use to completely open our hearts wide so that we connect more deeply with God, with each other, with the world around us, and with ourselves. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a really helpful segue into Paul and Silas. Yeah, this is a pretty um, exciting event that happens with (laughs) Paul and Silas in the prison. They're thrown into prison and find themselves um, uh, praying and... um, They receive their prison. Yeah. They receive their sentence as a gift. Right. Not not as prisoners being thrown in jail. They re, they receive like midwives their sentence. Mm-hmm. Like this is where we are now. This is where we are. Let's let's and, keep with the use. Let's pray and sing sing hymns of praise to God. Absolutely. Yeah. And what they're able to do through that steadfastness of faith, regardless of where they are, mm-hmm. is transformative. So even in the midst of being thrown into prison, they keep their hearts open. Mm-hmm. So the Spirit's already opened their hearts. Yep. They are ready. They are preaching the gospel. They are spreading the good news. And they find themselves in prison, receiving it as an opportunity to... Um, have their hearts more fully opened or mm-hmm. open further. And so they sing, and then in the midst of singing, there's an earthquake. Yeah. And and so all their shackles come off, and and they're just, I can imagine them just kind of going, <laughs> Spirit did it again. Yep, here she goes. <laughs> she quite a show off. and But they don't leave. They don't leave, and, and the guard who's watching over the, the jail is terrified because he naturally. just naturally he just assumes that everybody ran off mm-hmm. and and so so that he doesn't get tortured he decides to take his own life mm-hmm. and their hearts being so opened Paul and Silas see that what he's doing and and they holler out to him hey we're all here yeah don't hurt yourself mm-hmm. and and to his great surprise, um, he he doesn't have to take his own life. But when he goes over to Paul and Silas, I mean, there's this encounter like, why didn't you leave? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But hold up, because he was going to take his life. He was. Yeah. And then Paul <clears throat> right. kind of does the unexpected, mm-hmm. which I hear as so much loving kindness. Absolutely. He, he yells out in this loud voice, do yourself no harm. For we are all here. Mm-hmm. It's like he knows he's going to hurt himself because he's terrified of what's going to happen to him because they've all left, but they haven't left. Mm-hmm. And so Paul saves a life. Paul saves a life. And what, what, what we encounter here, so the Spirit opened Lydia's heart so she could hear what Paul said. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. And... 
And Paul, whose heart is open, yells out to the prison guard, don't hurt yourself. Yeah. And, and that don't hurt yourself becomes the invitation to have his heart opened. Mm-hmm. And so it comes over totally perplexed that they're still hanging around. Like, why would you, that all the, all the doors are open, your shackles are off. Why would you still be here? Right. Like, why wouldn't you leave? And so he it's wants so to, mysterious. He wants to know. I mean, it beats the odds for sure. It beats the odds. And, and because, any reasonable expectation. <laughs> and, and the jailer is, is putting himself, I think, in, in Paul and Silas's shoes and going, I would have left. Oh, I, would, I would have been so out of here. So, so what is it about this God that you've been singing about? Yes. That, that Even made, when free, you're still here because guess what? They were free all they were already free. Yeah. And and there's something in Paul calling out to him that he gains this awareness. Mm-hmm. He he awakens to this reality that oh they've been free the whole time. I want that. Yes. I want that. How do I get that? Yeah. And and so he pres- presumably brings his whole family to the prison. Yeah. And has them baptized. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but 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 even before that though, is that they washed their wounds. Yeah, like they took care of it. I mean, just the mutual, the the reciprocity of mm. care flowing back and forth between the jailer and his and his people, and and Paul and Silas is just beautiful, really. Yeah, they they washed their wounds. Doesn't that? Um... Doesn't that kind of make you think about Jesus washing the feet of the disciples? Yes, yes, because it's, I mean, it's literally in the, it's verse 33. Mm-hmm. <laughs> at that hour of the night, he took them and washed their wounds, and at once he and all his people were baptized. You know, so you have this, it's only split by a comma, this caring for the wounds and then being baptized. So jailer caring for Paul and Silas's wounds, and then Paul and Silas baptizing the yeah. jailer and all of his people. All of his people. So I'm wondering. I, I would. I've. I had it in my mind that that's his family, but I wonder if that's just all of the prison guards. Oh, it could be. It could be all. Or like the, or all it could his be whole like, family or, or everybody. It could be like the whole community. Yeah. I mean, everybody works with and his family and his friends. I mean, I just imagine just all of these just people, everybody. just everybody that he's associated with remotely are just all here because of the wonder of it all, right? I mean, mm-hmm. there must be something to this living God that they've been praying to and singing to, um, yeah. and they, they want that. It, it's infectious, as it's you say. It's infectious. Well, it's... Um an open heart, mm-hmm. opening a heart, yes, opening more hearts. I mean, it's a, it's amazing ripple effect, right? Just that outward, outward, outward mm-hmm. ripple, and it was just two hearts, Silas and Paul. So it makes me think of um, you, you and I were talking about some of this earlier, and it's hard for me not to think about open hearts and the. Um, the invitation, especially in the in in Isaiah, I'm pretty sure it is uh, like Isaiah fifty something, but mm. where Isaiah um, prophesies that um, 
the is this the fast is this the fast that I choose for you? Mm-hmm. Um, no, it is it is a broken and contrite heart, a heart rent for God. Mm-hmm. And and I've always connected the rending of hearts with the rending of the temple curtain. And and I think here about these opening hearts Mm. and how these opening hearts, these rending of um, their their curtain-like hearts and and how that keeps the flow of the Spirit going from person to person to person. And, and how their heart being opened by the Spirit manifests to those around them that they too can have their hearts opened. Mm. They see something that they want and the Spirit comes around just opening all of their hearts. Yeah. And, and they receive um, the Spirit and baptism and... Um, and they experience that joy that Paul and Silas were singing about from prison. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's really quite amazing. It is. It's it's really, it's really quite amazing. Yeah. I can just imagine. I don't know. I'm so struck by it um, as we talk about it. Just this image in my mind of of this ripple effect of all the the spirit moving and opening all of these hearts, and it's just um, it's so in contrast to other places. Um, not only in these three chapters of Acts, but in other places in Acts and the Gospels, where you have um, what's being spread is is um, hate and desire for control and this like tightening yeah you know and so this constriction and contraction and a, a hardening of hearts a hardening of hearts and how um that's so easily spread too and um it's it's so easily to incite um all of that ripple effect through um, through fear, which because of our brain's um, negative bias does have a leg up on mm. opens hearts, opening hearts. Yeah. Um, however, I, I feel like we are we're probably always in this moment in history. Probably all people, whenever they have lived, have felt like this is the moment um, <laughs> when there is a calling forth for, open hearts, opening hearts, right? Yeah. Um, but I certainly think that this time is is no different than others in that um, we must heed that call. I mean, it is, there is a, there is a, a necessity, a, um, I, I, I want to be careful about using the word urgent because oftentimes urgency, I think, is, is an illusion. But, I do think that there, there is a call on our lives as disciples on the way um, to open our hearts so that others may have their hearts opened as well. Yeah, I mean, at once so that they know their hearts can be opened. Yeah. And sometimes we're waiting for someone to come around whose heart is opened so that I can trust that it's okay. 
mm. for my heart to be opened. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think about those people who are able to be really present in a kind of vulnerable way and and be their authentic self with others, that their heart's so open that they they don't have to hide. Mm-hmm. And and how their vulnerability, sharing their story. Um, you know, I think about, we, we just had Michael Fosberg come to Knoxville and share his story about his life's journey. And it's a very vulnerable play that he um, does. It, it, it's, it's his life. And, and how his vulnerability, his, his opened heart, enables everybody who witnesses, I say everybody, enables most people who witness uh, the telling of his story to really open up and go, I can share, I can be vulnerable, I can share my story, I mm-hmm. can own my life. Mm-hmm. And, and that has um, such an effect on everybody we interact with thereafter. Right. And, and it puts, I mean... It, it has a way of putting people at ease. Absolutely, sure. Right? If I can be calm and 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 vulnerable and and be present, mm. then it enables everybody else to be present too. Mm-hmm. And I think we take for granted that we really have a deep impact on the people around us, mm. both positively and negatively. Mm-hmm. And so my my vitriolic <laughs> rampage um, is going to close people up, mm-hmm. make them anxious, fearful, what have you. And my open, honest, vulnerable telling of my story is going to open other people. Yeah. Or um, help them um, be willing to have the Spirit open their hearts. Mm-hmm. And that's the challenging work of the gospel. One aspect of the challenge of of living the good news, receiving it, allowing yourself to embody it, Um, and it comes it comes back to trust. Yes. Well, say more. What do you think? Well, I mean, I have to, um, I have to trust not so much in the person with whom I'm sharing my story and being vulnerable. But I have to learn to trust God and not pretend to um, have control over how people might respond. Mm. But actually trust that the Spirit's right there waiting to open their heart. And maybe the only thing they need for the Spirit to do the Spirit's work is for me to share. Mm. I mean, when when you put it in those terms, it's kind of like, are we preventing the spirit? Uh, oh, I hear it. Yeah, I hear like you. If, if I'm holding myself back, mm-hmm. am I in my fear and anxiety about what might happen? Mm-hmm. Am I preventing the spirit? I mean, it's a great question, and I mean, it takes me right back to Lydia because, you know, because, like I said, when you when you said, um, you know, that the heart is open, and I said, F- what for? So that yeah. 
she could hear Paul speak, hear Paul's words. And so you do raise an interesting point of, you know, if we refrain from speaking in places where we feel the prompt of the Spirit to speak, that when we speak honestly and authentically with an open heart, then maybe that is part of how other people can hear the Spirit. Because what happens to Lydia is that immediately after this, she's baptized, and everybody in her household is baptized too. Mm-hmm. Right, So it, it moves her to an action yeah. that draws her ever closer to God. It, it moves her open heart to open hearts. Yes. Yeah. yeah exactly. Um, and so that is something really interesting for us to think about in our own lives of, um, you know, because you're right. I mean, I think that that current to fear can really prevent us from, from speaking openly, authentically. Um, and I think also of the times where, um, you know, like just, just this morning, somebody called and was like, you were on my mind. The Spirit said, give you a call. And I'm like, oh, mm. my gosh, thank you so much. <laughs> I needed that. And um, they didn't know. They just followed the prompt, yeah. right? And um, how, how many times I don't follow the prompt, just to, even if it's to pick up the phone and say, hey, I'm just thinking about you. Yeah. Um, I felt prompted. Right. And and who knows how that opens the other person's heart or helps them to feel seen in some spiritual way. Mm-hmm. Um because so there have been times when I've been prompted in that way and then I've I've reasoned myself out of making the call. Right. So I someone pops up and and I'm thinking I shouldn't I need to reach out to them, yeah. and I, and I feel compelled to do so. And it's not because they just kind of popped in my head. I really feel something, and then I think, well, you know, I've got I've got this meeting in five minutes. Yeah. I've got whatever. Don't going be offended on. if I call and I only have three minutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I don't call, and then I forget to call later. Yeah. And so I, I don't actually follow the prompt. Right. And and that may have been. You know the spirit, the spirit moving me mm-hmm. to get them ready because the spirit wants to open their heart, mm-hmm. and and they needed they needed that phone call to be ready. Yep. I mean, I don't want to give uh, too much agency to myself in that situation, and I also think that we're missing out. Well, okay, <laughs> I agree with you that we don't want to give too much agency to our own vesselhood. However, I think we do get ourselves in trouble when we don't own mm-hmm. the vessels that we genuinely are. Right. And and the gift that we miss out on, um, both for other people and ourselves, when we do something simple and just go, nah, I'm, I'll, I'll, I'll call them later. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean... We <laughs> making a phone call today seems like so much work. Right, I know, <laughs> I know. It's sad, but it's true. And 
and maybe maybe that's some of the simplest things we can do to help open hearts. Yes. Well, and I think it also is just fabulous training ground for um, sometimes I think in my relationship with the Spirit, I've thought about this a lot actually, is I think sometimes she gives me little things to do mm-hmm. to build trust for the big things. The big things, yeah. She asked me to do. And so um, a phone call doesn't, I mean, those are not high stakes. Um and yet the more I do them, the more I, uh, the more confidence I find in the bigger promptings. Yeah. Sounds like the parable of the talents. Yes. Yeah. Who is small and little will be, I mean, who is faithful and little will be faithful with much. Right. And, and, but again, I think that we're wise to realize that we build ourselves there. Mm-hmm. Right. Like it's, um, as you always say, like marbles in a marble jar. That's it. We, <laughs> we need to practice our way into things. And mm. instead of reading the talents um, parable as some have it, some don't, well, maybe some practice their way there and mm. some choose not to. Okay. But let's use the agency we do have. Yeah, for sure. To practice our way. And, and own you know, own our vesselhood. Mm-hmm. I mean, part of this rending of the hearts and the connection with the that I that I tend to make with the rending of the temple uh, curtain, it, it it draws me back to the reality that we are temples. Mm-hmm. Like our lives, our bodies, our whole self, we are temples, vessels, mm-hmm. and and if we're really being attentive to. Uh, the temples that we are and and building them bit by bit for the goodness of God in the world, then slowly but surely, those big things, um, they become smaller in, in terms of how we sort of think of them uh, in their difficulty or challenge mm-hmm. because we've been working we've been working at it our whole life. Yeah, we're ready. Yeah. And, and, and I think that lends us to the, the widening of, of our opened hearts by the Spirit, um, who's, who's probably just always preparing us for more. Mm-hmm. Always preparing us for more. I think that is life in the Spirit. Yeah. Because it, it's endless. And thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. It's endless, it's ever-evolving, it's always changing, it's always transforming and transfiguring us. Mm-hmm. And it requires our attention. Yeah. It requires our constant attunement um, to the movement. Right. So I think that there's plenty to think about in today's <laughs> episode. Um, I'm excited for people to to contemplate these things themselves, to, to, as Mary does, ponder them in your heart and, and to find other people to, to talk about this with, whether you're in your agape groups um, here on Sunday mornings, if you're already plugged in, fabulous. If you um, want a group to be talking about all these things with and you live in the Knoxville area, please come and join us. We'll plug you in. Uh, swiftly and easily. And, and whatever you do, get some hearts to be opened with you. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and also know that like it's not your job 
to open the hearts, right? Like right. just invite people to the table and see what happens. See how the spirit moves. Yeah, the spirit will do the hard work. Yeah, thanks be to God again. Thanks be to God. And we, we have a responsibility. Yeah. And it, and it, we get to do the fun part. Right. We get to invite people over. Yeah. Hey, come over here and sit with me. Let's talk. Yeah. Yeah. Let's dialogue. And and then just delight in whatever the Spirit makes happen. Yeah. Mm. May you be full of wonder. Full of wonder for sure. So join us tonight, Sunday, March 26th at 5 o'clock for Tools of Aliveness. Um, in this segment of Tools of Aliveness, we're going to be talking about dialogue not just dialogue. We're going to be thinking specifically about the um, the role of embodiment and the role the spirit plays in our dialogue with each other because she's always there, always part of it. So come and join us Sunday evening, March 26th, 5 p.m., Church of the Ascension in the Parish Hall, which is downstairs. We hope to see you there tonight. And we're in the home stretch of Lent. This is the last week of Lent. Well, not last week, but last week before Holy Week. And Palm Sunday is April the 2nd. We will have our procession, weather permitting, around the church. And we have a special surprise that I don't want you to miss out on for the 1030 service. So join us for Palm Sunday. And then we have much going on in Holy Week. Every evening we have a service at 7 p.m. Uh, with the exception of Friday, which is at 12 p.m. That's our Good Friday service. And and then we've got our four services on Easter Sunday. And don't forget the Easter Vigil on Saturday night. Absolutely. 7 p.m. 7 p.m. every night but Friday, April 3rd through the 8th. And you can learn about all of those offerings on our church's website at knoxvilleascension.org. So please make sure you are with us for Holy Week and one of our Easter services. Those Easter services are at 6.30, Many opportunities to give thanks for the life of resurrection here and ascension. We hope to see you then. <laughs>